Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. Michael, you going to bash me over the head with the uh, NBA stuff? I have the tail of the tape right here. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, we can definitively say that neither of us is going to correctly pick the games played and the winner. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we're we're really down to, like, I guess it's closer in both. Oh. So for the Golden State sequence, remember, I picked <laughs> Golden State in seven. You picked Portland in six, so you got closer on the games, and I got closer on the winner. I told you, uh, went with my heart, not my head. <laughs> and uh, well, I mean, I know, but I went with my head, and I picked seven games. Okay. And, uh, so we know, split we, that we one. See how well that went. All right, so we split that one. We're coming down to it here. I think we're. It, it's. It looks like we're going to split the other one because I picked Toronto in five. You picked Milwaukee in four. Neither one of those is possible. Because where we sit right now, it's 2-1 Milwaukee. So... <laughs> I feel like if if Milwaukee wins is 4-1, then like the spirit of it, I totally got it. Because they tied twice. <laughs> that is true. That part is remarkable. I mean, I'm, all, I'm down for, for free basketball. All right, let's put a bow on Game of Thrones. Yeah, I was going to say, we are a fantasy and fantasy baseball podcast, and we did put a lot of words out there about Game of Thrones yesterday, but anything else that you want to talk about 24 hours later? I mean, I just, all of a sudden, got the the sadness just like came through like a couple times yesterday, just pure depression of like, wow, this is over. These are, you know, my friends, my frenemies my enemies but they've been in my life for a while and now it's now it's gone they're gone i think it's it is really sad i think it's time to start really writing those letters to hbo about robert jordan maybe no 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 it's just it's really just praying to the old gods and the new that the golden compass show is any good i I think it I mean, if a partnership of the BBC and HBO can't make it happen, who made, you know, it, Game of Thrones being one of our favorite shows, and we both loved Sherlock, if they can't do it, then it's not it's not possible. It's uh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, so what we need to do, though, what that mm-hmm. means is that we need to get Philip Pullman writing those more of those books, so that there's more to go off of. I mean, he obviously has the rest of the Book of Dust, or rest of the what is the trilogy called? I don't know. I can't remember. He's got the one coming out. Yeah. And then he's got a third one. But maybe he could uh maybe he could fast track another trilogy. <laughs> well, who knows? Golden Compass could be like six seasons as well. I wouldn't say no. I mean who says no? This week on the pod we are framing 
a new large project that we've been thinking about, and we're actually trying to uh, benchmark out some stuff. We're going to work on a holistic economic model <sighs> for fantasy baseball. We got a long way to go, but I thought we'd set our sights high. So in the first half, we're going to talk a little bit about what exactly we want to optimize when we talk about the fantasy baseball economy. And in the second half, we're going to talk about some of the nitty-gritty details about building the economy. So here we go. So I tried to put, quote-unquote, prices on each one of the categories in the TGFBI ecosystem, but I think this actually, you could you could expand this model to work in, in head-to-head or any other, um, any other system as well. So the idea was, out of the 315 teams that are in TGFBI, if you rank sort everybody's statistics, so you, you rank sort how many home runs each team has, then I ask, well, how many home runs, or if I get one more home run, how many points is that worth? How many spots does that move you up the distribution? Right. So I asked that for for every single statistic and looked at, okay, well, which one of these should you, do you get the most investment by improving your team? Now, improving your team is a little bit squirrely here because you have to improve relative to someone else's team. Okay. So, like... You know, you can't just hit three home runs in a week and expect to move up. You have to hit three home runs more than the average team. Right, exactly. So, uh, yeah. But this does tell you maybe where you should concentrate your resources. And I think some of these things are are no surprise. So, of the 10 standard scoring categories, the one that gives you the most bang for your buck for getting a single increment is wins. Yep. It's, it's so if, that blocky because there's so few of them out there. Yeah. So you can move up you can move up a huge amount by getting a single win. I said that wrong. It's not that there are so few of them out there. It's the universe of players that can get wins is so big to the number that are out there versus saves where the universe of players is so much more discreet. So if we just put a number on this, if you do this now thinking out of 315 spots, if you get a single win, you move up 23 spots, roughly. The next one down is saves. In fact, if you get if you improve by a single save, you get 14, so already a huge drop-off. Then if you improve your whip by 0.01, so what I think of as a standard whip increment, that's worth almost 14 spots. That's crazy. Yeah, and that's... It is hard to do that, to lower your whip by 0.01, unless you're minimizing yeah. the innings pitched. Well, we're gonna, I think we're, we're using our, our own teams as case studies, as per usual. So then, um, going down this a little bit further, next up is stolen bases, uh, next then average, then home runs... Then you get then there's a big, another big drop off, and you get down to runs, RBIs. K's in ERA. So basically it makes no sense to invest in ERA. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, and for how hard it is to invest in ERA. If you don't mind me getting up on a soapbox for a second here, I there's a Do lot it. of complaints about fantasy still having stolen bases, wins, and saves. And 
I think that that's ridiculous because this is the same reason why there's still 82 games in the NBA. It's because you, it's still part of the equation of how you win. Maybe it's not correlated with other things, and that's what makes the the, the problem so much more interesting of winning in fantasy, winning in Roto especially. It's it's really true, actually. You make a really good point. In terms of competitive balance, you would you actually want the categories that are the least correlated yeah, with each other. Exactly. Because it's no fun if they're all extremely correlated because then, you know, we already see this with we already see this on some level with home runs, which is that the teams that get the most home runs tend to be winning overall because because of how correlated home runs yeah. RBIs and runs are. Does that make for a fun fantasy year? Not necessarily because then it's just everyone's trying to optimize the same problem. Right, exactly. Especially now that home runs are there are more of them and distributed over a bunch of players. But there are a couple of standouts every year still. Right. Now, the thing that makes your team so remarkable to me is that you have a lot of home runs, but you haven't sacrificed average. And you've barely sacrificed stolen bases. Right? Isn't that crazy? I, yeah. And in some ways, my team is underproducing on the stolen bases that I, I, I had expected. Would you decide based on this graph, if neither of us is in this position, I think, but would you decide to cut bait on a category if you were way down in the tail, in the lowest 10% of one of the categories, and really try to optimize on something else? Um, I don't know. It's a good question. Last year, I didn't. I saw myself falling even farther behind in Ks, and I decided to try to get up a couple spots in K's and it just completely killed the progress that I'd had in ERA and whip and took me from like a plus plus team in ERA and whip and brought me down to just a plus team in ERA and whip, which meant that in K's, I just never could get there with K's. It it felt like I was always like 30 out, you know, from where I needed to be. Yeah. I, I think maybe we're not quite at that point where you should pull the plug yet. I mean, exactly. Particularly because I'm like, I'm staring at my ERA. I'm staring at my ERA right now and thinking like, Ooh, should I be just like, should I be really trying to (laughs) crank up my K's and my wins right now? Because look at your innings pitch. Like if you just, for the rest of the season, if you just only started guys who were good (laughs) and had really good starts and, a bunch of middle relievers, your ERA is going to go up. And you've got enough closers that your saves is going to be competitive. And as we've talked about with wins, yeah. because it's just a shitting in a barrel with wins, like you might stay competitive or where about where you are. So I don't know. I mean, I think that you could, yeah, you could just flip the script and just go for ERA. But you could also just start to try to get there in case. Where do you think you can make more progress? Well, that's, I mean, but that's, that was supposed to be the point of this exercise was like, where should you concentrate your, where should you concentrate your resources? And it really looks like, I guess I should, I guess I should recalibrate and say that the place that I should spend my resources is ERA. Like I'm already on the low end of low, but competitive end of K's and wins. So I should stay the course on those and really try to just drop my ERA. Which coincidentally is loosely correlated with a bunch of those stats. Uh, 
I mean, it's pretty loose. It's loosely correlated, but it's correlated with what? most strongly. You know what it's most strongly correlated with? Wins. Dang. Better ERA? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dang. There you <sighs> go. Crap, I got to... F- All right, well, okay. New project. We're going to fix our ERA. I'm going to fix my ERA. You're fine. You do it. Um, I also want, I want to highlight that you and I are actually in in very different regimes if you look at um, the ranking relative to the number of points um, that we each have, which is that I'm talking about trying to move from 150 to 100, and that's a really different strategy than you trying to move from 25 to 10. Whoa, whoa, he will. Whoa, 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 whoa. 21. (laughs) Okay, you trying to move from between 18 and 25 you're right yeah no but down to 10 so and the reason is because they're the teams get really rarefied up there so it's no longer one win is no longer worth moving up 23 spots because there are 23 spots ahead of you so one win is worth is worth Uh a spot maybe a spot exactly and right exactly as well there are more players like shooting through on the way up than shooting through on the way down where you have some like real um you don't like the example that i usually use but you have a lot of shooting stars and a lot of uh you know falling meteors i guess you could say in in yours (laughs) and just like about an equal number but i'm at the point up here where there are far fewer guys that are just like all of a sudden shitting the bed right and so part of what i think is interesting about this exercise is that i think we are actually going to need two different economic models one where you're like i'm just trying to write the ship for my team and and stay you know stay sane and one where you're like i'm actually like i have a legitimate shot to win this and i'm gonna go for it like how do i go for it is this like is this gonna be like quantum mechanics and newtonian physics just like trying to (laughs) I mean, I think you're chasing, you're chasing different things. Like it doesn't, yeah, it would be great if you could move up in, in wins, but they're not, they're not as helpful because you have so many points to gain to, to really, to move up a spot, right? Like if you're talking about, right, so it's, it's Roto. So there's 315 points available in every category, so if you were first in all of them, you would have 3,000 points, right? <laughs> Which it feels like these guys, there's like, Reuven is like... Yeah, so my, my point is to go close. from, to go from, he's at 2,700. So to go from, from 10th to 1st, you have to pick up 500 points, basically, 400 points. Yeah. But if I picked up 400 points, I would go from 150th to like, 30th <laughs> i mean i mean like the regimes are totally different that and is so, crazy you're right what would you what would you actually was that how much you'd actually do if you picked um, up 150 points if you picked up it'd 50, be like 40 500 it'd be points, at 40 that is yeah that's wild yeah so that's so that's my point is that I think that we I think that we're talking about looking at a one size fits all economic model but it's it's not actually going to be like that because the economics are so different for somebody in the middle as opposed to 
somebody who's really trying to win. True. Here's a thorough accounting of everything Eric had open when we started recording today. There should be like something in the posting of every pod that has all the tabs <laughs> that are open on my browser. It's <laughs> like the icons are, are classic because yep. they have two Gmails open. I have one NF- NFBC and then two failed sports oh. sign in, sports hub sign-ins. I have a Reddit icon right next to uh, yep. Stack Overflow. Sometimes Reddit has Actually, you're not decent wrong. info. Okay, so I gave the 30,000-foot view, but we actually have quite a few nitty-gritty things that we have to figure out, and you worked on one of them. Absolutely. TGFBI fab scraping. Seems like a little nice little test tube here to look at the fab so that we can actually get some of this data so we can relate it. Um, also a pain in the butt. <laughs> That's a beautiful data set. I mean, that's that's one of the things that we love about TGFBI, right? And be, and the unique part, of course, is that because there are 21 different leagues, you basically get 21 different bites of the apple. <laughs> oh, I know. Exactly. Yeah, so you get to see it, that we're starting 21. It really is a place where you're starting to actually get a normal curve in, yeah. in this distribution. Um, so, yeah, I spent um, I spent a bit of time figuring out how we could uh, grab all the TGFBI fab data. Um, obligatory selenium nod and curse. <laughs> <laughs> so I use selenium, which is a um, web browser automator to do this scraping. Um, Mike hates it mostly because it doesn't, yeah. it, it, it's really hard to translate between um, PC and Mac. Um, no, that's not why I hate it. I hate it because I don't like having to call out to another program to do something. Yeah, that as well. Yeah, no, that that as well. Uh, that's an understandable. Well, I mean, I would well, rather I would rather have a self-contained. I would rather have a self-contained JavaScript library. Yeah. But that doesn't work. You have to have something to drive it. Right. And there are certain websites where this is the case. And I just got confirmation from NFBC that there's not a public facing, um, that this data isn't public facing. So you have to log in. And because it's JavaScript, you have to like go through the web, web browser. Hey, that's really annoying. It is really annoying. But I figured it out. Um, okay. All right. So really annoying, but we figured it out. That could be said for a number of our projects. What's really funny is that we we were talking about doing this prior to the Favageddon, I believe that's how people are what people are calling it, which was this last Sunday. Um, several highly tattered prospects came up: Austin Riley, um, Willie Calhoun. Um, it's Keston, Keston Hira. Yeah. Um, Hira. And then who I'm blanking it. There's another one who came up. Someone else who was, who was really big. Um, I don't know. I, whatever. Oh, Nikki Lopez, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who? It's just like take your pick. A lot of people were um, wasting most of their fab on this. So this actually ended up being. We had been talking about it before, but this ended up being great timing for this. Um, with all those with all those call call ups. 
But the general idea is like eventually we want to know like number one are using your fab correctly, right? That's one of the outcroppings hypothesis testing piece, um, as well as add you know good variable into our economic model. Are we using our fab correctly? Is such a such a great question because it's so open ended. Very much so. So we'll have to actually put together like we'll have to bite down on the app a little bit, get to the core. Well, we have to put together our two pieces, right? So we put mm -hmm. together we. We looked at sort of we looked at sort of the metric to evaluate, quote unquote, worth it, <laughs> mm -hmm. in terms of in terms of uh, looking at what you need versus replacement team, and and now we have the the evaluation metric, the dollars that you spent to get them, and uh, we got to figure out how to marry those two. Absolutely. So what do you want to know? Let's just I I don't want to spend too much time on this. Who do you, What's uh, something that you want to figure out? Well, I have it, the data set open as of 519, Fab. I want to know what, how many, um, you know, for those big prospects, how many leagues were they actually bid on? Was it all, was it 15? Was it 18? I mean, can we get, because really what you want is the distribution from a single week because that's the cleanest example. Okay. Um, what? So, can you encapsulate that a little bit smaller so that I can like let's sure. so give me something that I can query from this data set. I'll I'll tell you what it is right now. The way that this script works is it goes through for every league for league in leagues, it goes through and downloads the data which has for every um, week it has the fab results which includes the bid, runner-up, and so, and the player, you know, who... who right, so it. I want to know all of the, I want to know all of the bids that went in for Keston Hira. Okay, you want to know all the bids that went into Keston Hira. Let's do that. Yeah. There are 19 bids for Keston Hira, so either, I mean, we should check, we can, maybe we should have the ownership up as well. Yeah. Keston Hira is 100% owned. So that implies that he was drafted and kept in two leagues. So Keston Hira, you want to hear what the max bid was for him? I do. 510. Yard sale put in a bid for 510. Okay. I mean, I also, so that makes me curious about like what else yard sale has bid on. Yard sale, WTF. Actually, a good name. I, I like it. Oh, he sold. He must have been one of the people that like picked Chris Sale first or something idiotic like that. All right, yard sale. His here here are his bids. You want him an order or in? No, that's not going to give him an order. I'll give you an order of how much he spent. Kesson Hira five ten on five nineteen. Tuki Toussaint one fifty eight on four twenty one. Pablo Lopez one hundred ten on five nineteen. Dwight Smith Jr. 101 on 47. Jason Castro, your buddy, uh, 90 on 519. Ross Stripling, 11 on 515. And your favorite, oh, you, you're gonna love this one. He added Mike Zanino and dropped Michael Pineda for That's 10 bucks this week. All right, I think that about brings us to the review session. Two bites of the apple, Max Kepler and Jeff McNeil. So I'm actually going to do these two together. I think we should straight up do them together. 
you're yeah. not going to mistake them for each other. <laughs> so one of them, 42 games, 9 home runs, 25 RBIs, 20 runs, 0 stolen bases. Of course, neither one of them is stolen bases, and a 244 average. The other one, 45 games, 2 home runs, 2 RBIs, 14 runs, and a 331 average. Feels like that's going to regress. If that doesn't regress, I'll be absolutely shocked. Um, so that's Jeff McNeil. And he's got a 367 yep. BABIP. But I don't know. I think 244 is a pretty reasonable average for Max Kepler. Is he going to regress? Uh, Max Kepler saw him in two games. He, it is amazing on an, on an 01 and 00 um, count. He just rockets that ball into foul territory. And then as soon as it's like 02, it's just softly hit to wherever on the field it ends up. But that's one of the things, is that I've watched so many Max Kepler games, and it looks like he's just about to figure it out at the plate. This is the third year in a row where it's been like, ooh, if he could just end yeah. now at this point, it's like, now the potential is dying. I can't really say that I'm that impressed by his fielding, though, either. The Twins do a pretty good job of hiding him, though. I Well, I don't know. Hiding him... Hiding him is sort of the wrong term because right field in uh, Minnesota isn't easy. It's actually it's a little bit hard, and I think that he's. But I, you know, he's no. Um, he's what was it? Shane, say Shane Vereen, but that's that's not right. Shane, Shane Drake Reno. Reno in right field. No, he's he should be in left field. He'd be he would be a well above average left fielder. I think you're only saying he looks average because the rest of the Twins' fielding is terrible. Other than Buxton, who's, who is covering for him a little bit. That's part of the point, actually, is that Max Kepler would look worse if he wasn't next to Byron Buxton. Yeah, well, but that's also, it It, it sort of diminishes what he's able to do. Because he's like, a. if you look at him next to Buxton, you're like, well, why aren't you doing more? <laughs> why, why can't you just be like right. an all-star gold glove uh, center fielder in right field? Okay, but we have another outfielder that we were reviewing, Jeff McNeil. Oh, for five at the plate in my game that he watched or whatever? Holy moly. Just right from his batting stance, the minute that they cut back to the batter from the pitcher, he just looks like he's totally overmatched. Like, he does not know what he's doing up there. Yeah, he does look a little nervous. I mean, I think that the only person that's rivaled him is probably uh, JBJ <laughs> in terms of his approach to, like, Oh boy, he's going to throw a yes. fastball at me. I need to I need to be careful here. And Max Kepler looks like he's totally at ease. Oh yeah. Even when he doesn't get a, like any leather on that ball. He gets no wood on that ball. He still like swings it like Oof, that wind just brushed it a little bit away from my bat. I, I'll get it next time. So head to head, Max Kepler takes what against Jeff McNeil? season end i think it stays exactly as it's set right now kepler wins home runs rbis runs i guess they push on stolen bases and then mcneil wins average and probably by a lot i think it's fair yeah so who are we going to do this week i want to watch the new prospect for the texas rangers willie calhoun ah i thought you were gonna say austin riley uh okay willie calhoun i like it all right, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools. Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. 
feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah.